Hello, beautiful people. This is episode 16 of Banter Motivation. I'm Iyamide. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone and everything, living and non-living, except those who are insisting that the Lekki massacre did not happen. On October 20th, 2020, the Nigerian government sent the Nigerian army to kill innocent citizens who were protesting at the Lekki toll gate. All they were asking for was an end to police brutality, an end to SARS, and for the government to meet their demands and be accountable. I could not post last week, guys. I just was out of it. Thank God for amazing brave people like DJ Switch who went on Instagram Live to show us what was happening to give us a glimpse so that the government could not deny what happened. I'm back this week and I'm back with a bang. Something substantial, something amazing, a real treat. Hi guys, I have a special guest with me today who was present at the Lekki Massacre and has been gracious enough to agree for me to interview him, ask him questions and just find out what really happened on that day. So join me in welcoming Adedeji to the show today. So Adedeji, thank you so much for being a guest and for agreeing to join me on the podcast. So I guess the question on everybody's mind what happened on that day at the Lekki toll gate? How did you get there? How did you leave, right? Because from the lives and stuff we saw, people died, people were injured. How were you able to walk away unarmed? I, I've been doing a lot of um, online online, uh, online tension about the whole NSAS movement. But I felt at that day, I felt like the energy had dropped a bit and I felt like I needed to really go out on the street like, what was happening and all of that. So that day, it, it was already becoming volatile everywhere. I mean, hoodlums that started attacking most of the protests in other places. So I left from Ikorodu, and even while I was in Ikorodu, I mean, the roads were already getting blocked by hoodlums. But then I, I just knew that the only place I would have loved to really go because I felt it was safe was the electric protest. I mean, every other place the idea of attacks and all of that, but then at the leg protest, there was no news of any attacks and all, and it was really organized. I mean, anything that happens in Lekki or the island is pretty much organized in a way. And I also had it in mind that there was a bit of classism as well. So it makes it difficult for anyone to really come and hijack it because you don't really know who is who. And you, I mean, you could see a lot of celebrities come around to the I said I was going to look at the numbers of people and 
for me, I always get so much energy from from numbers. I always say that numbers is always very important. So I, I, I felt like I saw a lot of people that really decided to still stay in spite of the curfew. And they just kept saying, oh, if you feel you can't stay, you can leave. If you feel you want to stay, this is this has been our home. I mean, if we, they had been protesting there for like 12 days. So it's understandable for people to want to stay there even when there's a coffee because it's still like a safe place. So she kept saying that and all. She kept saying, kept telling people what to do, told us what to do when it's 4 p.m. They're going to sing the national anthem and all of that. It was still really cool vibes. I mean, before then, people were really sharing their, their sad stories. I mean, you get a lot of really terrible stories. I mean, almost it was like everyone had like an experience with that. I've never had experience with that though, but then I quite know a lot of people that have had experience with that. So it was it was all bubbly. It was really a really good atmosphere. So at four we sang the national anthem and we continued. At about five I, I was I was online really a lot. So I saw them I saw a tweet about someone taking out the CCTVs and all of that. So I, I went to the corner where I was and I still saw like CCTVs. I wasn't really bothered because I, I didn't think it was going to be a problem anyway. If anyone takes the CCTV, we still have our phones. If anything is going to happen, we still use our phones anyway. I didn't really think anything could go bad. I felt like, okay, at most, if, if the government, if they want to do anything bad, maybe they will send the police and the police is going to come and despite us at most maybe they shoot at the air and all of that i didn't think anything could really go bad and with the police because of the number of people that were there i didn't think that the police would uh, I, I relatively felt like i would have been safe anyway so at, at past at six at about 5 36 she um did just fix her clamoring that oh it seems like they they took the light off they disconnected the lights and all so she kept clamoring about that and all. So at that time, that's when I maybe started to really think that something may go bad. And But then I still really didn't think it was going to be as bad as what happened. So at, at 6.30, when it was starting to get a bit dark, sun had set, it was starting to get a bit dark, we, we had gunshots. But then it was, I didn't really, it was, I didn't really blink so much. I ran, but then, I mean, there were still a lot of people still holding and just kept saying, oh, hold on, there's nothing and all. I didn't think it was a problem. I thought it was maybe just policemen around and all. But then it started to become really chaotic, people running around and all. Then later on, we started hearing gunshots, like really consistent ones, really loud ones. And at that time, it had become dark and it's it really dawned on me that this is going to be something really serious. And they, they really started shooting. I mean, they really, really started shooting, started shooting at people. I kind of already figured out in a way where I could have gone for cover. I mean, the position I would have gone for cover if there was any situation. Because I always kind of, so whenever I'm in any space, I always try to look for like the easiest way out. So I already knew that the side that I had, um, the shop right, the access bank, the old side was fenced, the left side was fenced. So I knew it would be difficult to try to find cover anywhere around that side. So I stuck towards the side that had the water side. There was like a bit of bush. It's not really bush because it's like my the length of my, maybe the length of my leg. It wasn't really full bush. But then, so I knew that I needed to take cover. So I went towards that side. It was, at that point, it was a lot of shooting and I mean, there are a lot of bullets flying in the air, a lot of shooting at people as well. I mean, uh, if at first it sounded like they were empty shells, I want to believe they actually fired empty shells as well. So they mixed it up in all of the things that they did that day. They fired empty shells, they fired really live bullets, they fired, it was just crazy. It, it became a, it became like a war scene, people running everywhere. There were still a lot of really brave people. I mean, I still saw a lot of people still stand up, stand up to them and still were still holding hands. 
marching forward, singing the national anthem. At that time, I just run for cover. I saw like a small palm tree. I was with one other guy, one alpha guy. So at that place, I could really see. So because I could really just stay around that palm tree, I could really see well. I wasn't re- I wasn't running, so I could really see well what was happening. I saw a lot of shooting. I saw. Then it got to a point when they covered the side where I, when they covered the land ahead of where I was, because they kept moving forward. They kept trying to disperse people. And at that time, they shot a lot of people. So people got injured. I saw people fall. At that time, I saw, at, it was around that time, I saw two people, like, really injured. And I saw, I saw two dead bodies at that time. I saw lifeless bodies. They had already died. I, I don't know where the gunshot really hit them. But then at that time, it was obvious that they had already died. And so they had covered the area where I was. So at that time, I really needed to be mute. So I was mute with, with the guy I was for more than 30 minutes. They kept shooting at people. I was so scared at that time because they had covered where I was. I thought they were going to come towards the side, the bush where I was. But that, apparently, I, so I, I, I can remember saying I, I feel like they did some sort of um, reluctant job. Most of them were probably divided on the mission. Some didn't want to do what they did. But they had to do it. The thing with the military, you, you just have to obey orders. So they had to do it. So I saw, I saw one of them take a video while they were still moving and all of that, while they were still shooting. At the time, at the time they stopped shooting, one, while they were going back, they had combed everywhere for bodies and picked bodies. While they were going back, I heard one of them shout and scream, we day with you. That's like we are with you. And I'm like, that's why, that's that, from, from what he said, I, that's where I got the, the idea that some of them were quite reluctant about the job, about the mission. And so it was, it was, it was just a crazy night, really. It was, it was like a war scene. It was something I'd never witnessed before. At some point, I was really scared. I, was, I really thought I was going to die because they really got towards the side where I was. It was I was just muttering um, words of prayer with the Alpha guy, and it was just crazy. It was a crazy night. That I mean, that of course sounds scary. A lot of people who watch the live, the fact that there was no light added to the fear and confusion, you know, not sure what was happening on ground. But um, I'll just kind of ask you a few questions just to see. So you already explained, you know, why you went to Lekki all the way from Ikorudu, um, which makes sense, right? The idea that you'll be protected because Lekki had been... In fact, people had been complaining that the Lekki protest was turning into like a party or a club. There were just so many different people like you said, celebrities and stars. There were drinks, there was food, there was music, DJs, all of that. So it makes sense that you felt that would be a safe place. You also explained why you didn't leave, you know, when the curfew got announced. So I guess my next question is, when the army came on the scene, did they at any point try to disperse the crowd? Was there any, okay, guys, leave, and you guys refused? Or they literally just landed no, no. and started shooting? No, there, there was no conversation. I wasn't, I wasn't in the forefront, really. But then I, I was somewhere in the middle, but then I know there was no conversation. We just had gunshots. There was nothing like, um, there was no conversation with anybody. We just thought we faced, we were backing where they came from, so... There was no form of conversation. I mean, if there was supposed to be a conversation, they would have walked up to maybe the stage and tried to tell us, oh, you guys are, are not supposed to be here or just try to leave. But then that was not the mission. The mission really was just kill people. It was to, it was like a war mission, like, oh, we are going for battle. It wasn't like some, there wasn't any form of a mediation or, or trying to, like form a conversation with someone. So it was just shooting. They just really started up with shooting. Wow. Maybe they shot, maybe when they started, they shot at the air. Maybe when they started, they shot at the air. But then it was, there was no negotiation, no talk with anyone. They really just shot at the air. Interesting. 
So you said that was your first day of protesting, but it sounds like you got there kind of early enough. So this is a question that a lot of people have had. If we saw so many celebrities and so many big names and so many quote-unquote rich people's kids, how come on that day none of them was there when the shooting happened, right? Everybody seemed to have, you know, gone home or been home. So this for me, I feel like some people had information about what could have happened. And so I think I omitted the part, um, one part when I was trying to explain what really made me go there as well. So another thing I saw, so I saw a tweet, a, a long thread from um, Bolat Numbu. I saw a long thread from him. I read through the thread and it was the thread and it, it didn't make sense to me. But the last part, the last bit of, of that thread, he used caps lock and he was like, please, please, please stop protesting. And me, for me, that thing really made me mad. I'm like, why would you tell us to stop protesting when you know our demands are not? Is it because we are, we are protesting at the toll gate and you're losing money? That's one of the things that really made me grow out that day. So from that tweet, I could sense already that there was some sort of plan. I could sense already from that tweet that there was some sort of plan. So apparently, I feel like so many people already had classified information. I don't know. I I saw a tweet like from three or four days back of someone that tweeted that classified information one hour before the entire massacre happened. Wow. He tweeted and it was exact details of what happened. It was like, oh, he, he has classified information of the military going to get and all of I can send that to you. I can send the screenshot to you. Mm-hmm. And okay. it was very detailed. So I want to believe that. I want to believe that a lot of people had even DJ Switch, I think she might have she might have heard maybe no one really just expected that. I mean, since we were peaceful anyway, no one would have expected that they would have shot at people or come there with violence. But I, I want to believe some people had like classified information. I mean, before before then, that evening, AY, AY came around. AY, the comedian, he came around, I think, not up to not up to 20 minutes or thereabout when he left. That's when the soldiers came. Oh, so wow. for me, I, I'm, I'm also thinking around that line that maybe a lot of people had classified information about it, but then they didn't know it, it would get really bad. And the thing with this, the thing with this, this thing is, they, there's a carcass really. So, if, for example, I feel that's my own opinion. I feel like, for example, Bolat Nubu or maybe the state government or anyone that had classified information would have tried to send it to the the people, their friends, that maybe the, the, that big carcass. They would have sent that information to them. Tell your kids to stay away. And that's another message they kept putting out. I noticed that most of the posts from government officials were like parents um, and watch your words, like parents tell your kids to push, hold your kids to push and that kind of thing. Hmm. So that's why I feel really. Really happened. Okay. So that's one, will I say, school of thoughts that I've heard. Another one that I've heard is people saying a lot of those quote unquote celebrities and rich people's kids and people posting on Instagram came maybe later a lot of them would come out in the evening so it was more like an okay evening chill type of thing but during the day most people there were grassroots people not people who are posting on social media maybe not people who even have smartphones right maybe locals or whatever you want to call them that could be another reason right that those were the main people who were the driving force behind the whole movement and they were the ones who were willing to stay because a lot of people yeah. I know said if I were there and I had curfew, I would have gone home. So it seems like those people who made the most noise or posted the most on social media didn't even want to take the chance. They were willing to go home. Yes. But the other yes, grassroots that, people actually... So I feel like that, exactly. So maybe that was a way to kind of like see to ensure that most of the people that were there were not... Um, People that had IVX on them, like people that, if you had shot them, it would have been a problem. So maybe that that way as well was one of the 
ways to really like streamline the people that were there. So they knew that when they were going to go, it would be people that maybe when not in that weak class, you get. Yeah. So I want to believe that as well. That's sad to hear. But uh, let's see another question. So this whole issue with bodies or no bodies. Of course, on DJ Switches Live, we saw, you know, people had been shot. We saw bullets. We saw blood. So we know, you know, something was happening. But people keep saying we don't have any bodies. Like nobody has brought any, quote unquote, bullet ridden body. No parents have come out to say my child is missing or was killed. Right. So who are these people? How come nobody knows who they are and where are their bodies? Okay. So, so my, my argument to all of that is first of they took bodies away and then they imposed the curfew. I mean, it would have been very difficult because of the curfew that they imposed. They extended the curfew. It would have been very difficult to, it would have been very difficult to like know who exactly is missing, who, who died in the massacre and all of that. And so another thing again, so I, I saw something today about, of about 200 people who were just taken off from the street, classified as looters. They picked them up. I think for like, three, four days now. Mm. So imagine taking three, 200 people off the street and no one is coming out to say, no one is coming out to say that these, these guys are missing. So it's the same, it's the same thing really. Mm. People are used to, there's no missing report, there's no um, detailed missing report. You are basically reporting to the people that did the mission. Mm. So you can't get that missing report. Wow. Again. That you makes know, so much I mean, sense. I saw a video of, I saw a video of someone who her son died. She wasn't even in Nigeria. So all of all those things. And then another thing I want to believe is that some most of the people that were taking are people that don't really have any social media presence. They are not people that are active on Twitter or online as such. Very true. Because we but just like established... Said, most of them were probably like more street people on the other side of the divide. Very so true. It would be much more difficult to actually get them to. I mean, it's only like a really rich person that that maybe loses someone that would want to come out and say that, oh, I'm looking for someone. It's, they don't really see it as a victim or such. So you get my point. Yeah. I was saying if we already established that most of the people who were there that day were grassroots people, right? People who found the yeah. protest to be a place of solace and they could get free food. And I mean, I heard there were tents, so people were even sleeping there, right? People who had already pretty much moved in. If we already established mm-hmm. that, yeah. then of course that means yeah. those are not people on social media. Those are not people with phones. Those are not quote unquote everyday people that you and I know. Those are not exactly. our friends and classmates. So if they are missing, exactly. who is going to come out and look for them? Some of them, their families don't even live in Lagos. Some of them don't exactly. live at home, you know? Exactly. So exactly. That's, that's, that's my point. Yeah, that's what I was telling people. But of course, I wasn't there. So it makes sense if someone who was there is saying the same thing. It's not difficult. Things happen in Nigeria every day and we're used to just keeping quiet or... I mean, there are people that... Yeah. No, go ahead. Six years. From SARS. From SARS taking them over. From wow. SARS taking them over. And I know, and I've read of stories around this whole NSAS thing. I've read of stories where just picked up people because that's the way they work anyway. True. You pick up people and you hear nothing about them for six years. Even their families don't come out and say, oh, they're looking for someone or someone is missing and all of that. So it's really just like that. Wow. No, I was saying that, um, of course, the army came out and denied that they were there. Lagos State government mm-hmm. said, you know, nobody died. Like, they pretty much tried to bury the whole thing or bury, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it was that happened. They've changed their mouth. Which I've heard. So, so at different points, right, yeah. they said nothing happened. Then Lagos State government said, yes, the army was there, but they didn't shoot. Then the army came out and said, we were there, but we only, f- I think the last one I saw today, we fired, you know, like, um, dummy bullets or whatever. So, of course, social media videos coming out and be, people being bold enough to come out and say, I was there and it happened, has forced them to accept, you know, that something did happen. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. in all that, um, you guys who were there on the scene, right, we've heard about ambulances that were being turned back, not allowing the ambulances to come through. 
is that true or is that just you know how sometimes exaggeration right did that part really happen so, so part of part of part of my story that i probably missed as well was i was i was with a man that got shot i was with a man that got shot on the side i mean i think you you probably have seen the videos of the man of pictures of the man he was shot on the side so he came to where i was and at that time i i, I was feeling at that time that i needed ambulances that there was a man that was shot on the side. He was screaming so bad. He had lost a lot of blood. People around me thought he was going to die. So they really just wanted him to get out of there. I told them to calm down. While I was treating and, I was treating and asking for ambulances, really. So at that time, I think at that time, they, they, told, they didn't allow the ambulance for me. Then later on, they, they, they allowed the ambulance. Got in. So that's when the man got into the ambulance. I didn't even know that he made it to the ambulance. Didn't. So like the next day when I saw his video online. Wow. So that, that, that was true. Wow. So what would have been the point of not allowing ambulance in? Do you believe that they wanted to actually just kill everybody there? And why did they stop shooting? That's, that's, so that's why I said that they, they wanted to do a clean job. They wanted to do a clean job. I mean, they probably, maybe probably felt that if they allowed ambulance in, it would mean that they shot at people. They would have evidences that they shot at people and all of that. I mean, till now, there's still so much secrecy about the people at just. Yeah. I've still been trying to get in contact with, trying to know the number of people at just and all of that. But apparently, I think the government is even tensioning them. So they can't really, the hospitals can't really disclose any information. So it, it's so much, there's so much around that. Then I didn't get your second part of the question. I asked what the purpose of blocking the ambulances were, and then I said, do you think they actually meant to kill everybody? Like, was that their plan, just finish everybody there? And why did they stop shooting? Yes, that's, that's their plan, really. That's their plan. And I think they maybe they didn't think so many people were there. Mm. I feel like if they had seen just 100 people, they could have let 100 people out, and no one was going to know what happened. That's probably why they started this. They speak of like, and so the the other part of why why they stopped shooting. So apparently, there's also that part of maybe it was a misinformation. Mm. So I saw online at that time. I saw online that they had extended after they had shot after they had killed people and they had shot. And I saw online that um some who extended the curfew to nine. Yeah, I saw that. It's possible there was some so. Something happened again. There, there was so where I took cover. There was a soldier that came around later on when they had stopped shooting, and it was like, oh, they had stopped shooting. There, a guy just came. Their boss just came, and I think he ordered them to stop shooting. I don't. I think he didn't know that they were going to shoot. It's just a love, a love. So that's what he, he told me that oh, they had stopped shooting. I could move towards. I could walk freely. That I could. I should go towards where they are. Where they where they had parked. He was scared because he, he, he wasn't dressed as a soldier, but I saw he held a camelback. Oh. He wasn't, so I want to believe he wasn't part of the battalion that came to the mission. Wow. He was so just... really scared. His voice was shaking. He was really scared. So hmm. then I, I think my instincts didn't go with him, so I didn't go towards the side where they were. Apparently, they still shot afterwards anyway. Wow. But then I think he was at that time. Because of so judging from what he said, I think it was at the time when their boss actually came that they stopped shooting. And another reason to buttress that was that people at that time people started moving while the soldiers were still there. Mm. And they didn't they didn't shoot at them. That's interesting. So how were you able to get home? What was what happened? Because, you know, people were watching on live and then DJ Switch's phone, I guess, died or something. We just, you know, we lost connection. So everyone started wondering, praying. Rumors were going around that she had been arrested or she had been killed. We, for some hours, we didn't know, right, what was happening on ground. But how were you guys able to get out of that place unharmed? Did the soldiers, I heard later that the soldiers left and police came and took over and started shooting as well. Which one so is at fact? That time, I wasn't even there. At that time, when the soldiers, when the police came to take over, I wasn't there. I, I just knew. So, so from the time when I told you I was about to go, 
when the soldier said I should leave where I was, I was thinking of I could stay around that side where I took cover because it was relatively safe for ten. When the soldier told us to leave, I just knew that Lekki would be my best bet. So I tried to go towards Lekki. At that time, it was a bit calm then. Now, I stopped shooting. It was easier to move out. Even though at that time, I was still really scared and all. You can't really, you can't really tell what would happen. So I moved. I took with the guy that I said was with me. We moved towards Lekki, and in Lekki there was another thing. Apparently, hoodlums and cars were looting in Lekki, so there was police shooting in Lekki as well. I mean, that's even where I got even more scared. Police shooting in Lekki, shooting at people. At, at the time when I was trying to take over, I knew where I was going to be in Lekki, so I just I was trying to get this. I was going to chill in Lekki and police started shooting. I had to run again, climb the fence and try to jump through the water and it was, it was crazy. They shot at, apparently, I heard someone say they, they shot at two people and they have like two bodies in their van. It was all just crazy. Wow. So at that time, I got cover in a restaurant in Lekki and I stayed there for all through the night. I, I couldn't sleep all through the night. I had a clear view of me. Where I was, I had a clear view of the whole day that I couldn't sleep all through the night. I could still hear shootings at 2 a.m., even up until 5 a.m., they were still shooting. So I want to believe it was around that time the police guys had come back. But I could still hear shootings and shootings up until 5 a.m., 7 a.m., I was still hearing some, some gunshots. It was really bad. I, I killed them for like two days. They wow. didn't know me, but then they accepted me because they, they really knew that I was. I was really so scared, so they accepted me. So I killed there for two days because the entire lake was really volatile. I couldn't go out, I couldn't get anyone to come and beat me. I just had to stay there and be safe. I was asking if your parents or family members or anybody in your house or related to you or close to you knew that you were going for the protest. Did they like try to stop you? Did they try to reach out while the massacre was going on? Like, what was that like for you personally with your own friends and family? At that time, they started calling me. And I, I really just, the guys, like, I wasn't there. Even when I was there, I had to just pick their calls and the guys that I wasn't there and all of that. Just to make them really calm. I didn't want that kind of pressure. I didn't want any pressure from family affecting my state at that time. So I just had to disguise like I wasn't there. And that's, so that's how I managed that part. So was this before the shooting started? Because if they were calling you while, you know, shooting was going on, of course, they were here. After, after the shooting started. I mean, some were still calling me while they were shooting. Oh. But my phone is never on. My phone is never, like, on. My phone is always on silent. So okay. I, I, I just had to, like, decline the call. Wow. It was easier for me to just tweet at that time. It was so easy for me to tweet. I, I think, but while I was tweeting was when we were still shooting throughout it. At the time when they were really, really shooting, I think there was a gap. So people knew, like, there was a gap from when I said shooting, I did shooting. So there was a gap of about 30 minutes. So for like that 30 minutes, they were shooting. I couldn't shoot. I mm. just had to be numb in one place. Wow, that's crazy. So, of course, after everything, you know, we started hearing people were getting threats. DJ Switch, of course, had to abandon her home. And until now, she's kind of been, quote unquote, on the run. I also heard that the girls who were running the feminist coalition were also getting threats. So yes. it, it was a scary yes. time, you know. When I watched your live, yes. of course, we couldn't see your face. Like we knew someone was talking, but your face was not visible, which I'm sure you did on purpose. Did you ever have any fear yes. that they would track you down or trace you through your tweets or somehow find you and, I don't know, try to shut you up or something? Yes, I did, actually. So that's how they be undercover. I took off. I took out all my pictures from all my social media accounts. I, I did like two-factor verification on my account. I turned off all my location on on all my accounts. So I, I was really scared, to, even till now. I mean, I still I still don't have my. I'm still not living my life normally because I, I'm still not sure. I might still be thrown. Still. It hasn't really died down. I can only really come out when I feel like it is entirely out. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, what that's like seeing that, experiencing that. So as far as your own mental health, did you have issues like sleeping? Did you, like, are you back to 
Um, of course, you can't be back to your regular self, but I you back to... Sleeping. I think I only started sleeping well for just two days ago. I only just started sleeping well two days ago. The first, the first few days were really bad. I couldn't sleep. Wow. Like, I couldn't sleep. So I... I, I some people prescribe uh, therapy to me, so I was on therapy. I noticed that for me, my therapy, my, my own personal therapy was talking to people about it, letting people know about my food. So that made me sing. Okay. That's generally during the day. It made me sing, letting people know about the truths that happened that day. Mm-hmm. Then, but at night, it was really difficult for me to sleep at night. The therapy I used at night was just talking to people that not not necessarily people I knew, but I just needed to talk to someone that would maybe make me sleep. Like what he just did two days ago, I had a nightmare. Like I saw soldiers around me, and it felt like I was the only one in the middle of all the soldiers. So it was it was crazy. I I believe I'm a bit more stable now. No, well. Sometimes I still find myself thinking a bit. Maybe just, but then I'm a bit more stable. I can control, I can control my thoughts more, and I've been trying to distract myself a lot. Of course, after everything happened, people were shocked, people were surprised, people were sad. You know, there was just that feeling of. I think, for me, even being so far away from Nigeria, the protest brought so much hope. Like for the first time in a long time, I had hope. Like, oh my God, change is coming. Things are different. The youth are rising up. Change is coming. Things are going to happen. Everyone was so gingered. Like posting online, reposting, getting people involved, everything. But when the massacre happened, it seems like they stole that hope from people. People were so angry, so hurt. The fact they were denying it, it just be, it was almost like the people who died, died in vain. I don't know how to put it because it was like yes. nothing came from yes. it. They died and everybody's voices yeah. just tuned down. So what do you think? Or well, what's your own exactly. opinion? So, so a lot of things happened after the massacre. So and and I want to believe they were scripted because uh, I mean the things that happened from the from the jailbreaks from I mean we had like three jailbreaks in the week. I don't want to believe that is normal. Then we had talks. Then we we had talks talks burned down places as well. I also want to believe that was scripted. Then we had the the episode of palliative being. And where else it's been broken? I believe they were, those were distractions. I believe those were distractions. We just, we just like all like all, all that we did and all that we like worked towards. And so they were also threats at, at people, like you said, they were threats towards them, the families, or threats towards a couple of people as well. So people were, because of what happened and the massacre, people were really scared for their lives. For me, I got really mad around all of this, but I felt like I didn't think it was enough. Then the, the part, the, the, the thing that made it worse was when Gwari made the speech. That was actually the night that everybody felt like oh, it was a lost part. And for me, I was really crazy. And I, it felt, I was really mad then because I felt like we can't stop here. Like we've come too far to want to just make these people just have their way. And and so what you said is the same thing I hear from most of my friends outside Nigeria. They really felt like there was hope. They really, I mean, I still get a lot of people say they don't believe, they, they can't understand how we stop, that they still feel like we should have continued the protest after the coffee and all of that. I really don't know what, yeah, I don't know if the protest will continue after the coffee, but then the energy I'm getting from most of Feminist, I, was, I was really angry at the feminist book because I feel like a lot of people feed up from their energy. Yeah. And so for them putting it out that they are stopped and all of that, I felt like they didn't need to do that. So. But then I understand from their point that they were threats as well. But and, and maybe for me, I'm a bit fearless. So maybe that's what I'm thinking. I'm not really thinking towards their line of thought. So if protests were to pick up again, even with everything that you experienced, would you go back out? Would you go back and protest? Would you, you know, still be involved? I, I would, really. Okay. I feel like, because of the things that I saw, that because I, for, for me, I still feel like I, not even that I feel, that's the way I, I, I need justice for those that really died that day. I need them to know that they didn't die in vain. Yeah. So the justice is not just justice is in many ways apart from 
the governments coming out to say the truth about what happened, that they also need justice in the fact that stars must end as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I still hear, I still hear of a few stars operatives still working, even as we speak. So it just feels like it was our own, the entire fear. It feels like it was justified because it feels like stars still operating and they just misled us really. Depends for me. So for me, most of my decision about whether or not I'll join the protest usually it's usually determined by numbers. I, I always work with numbers. I believe I believe in the powers in numbers. So if I see a lot of people come out, I would obviously want to come out as well. But now it's safer to come out in numbers than just come out with just a few people coming out. They could easily just do what they want to do with a few people. But they can't do so much with so many people like there was a chance during this whole thing i mean they're like there's a chant about that like how many people are they going to kill really they can't kill all of us yeah so if the numbers are there i, I would still be very willing to come out a lot of people have told me oh we need to just relax and just really just think about how you leave this country but for me i i don't think leaving the country is is a solution. It might be an option, but for me, it's not a solution. Just the way you are. I mean, I, I before I used to really criticize um, Nigerians in diaspora, but this whole thing really made me see that indeed they really want they, they really want to to be here. Yeah. They want a Nigeria where they can easily come to and be safe. They, they really believe that Nigeria can be great again. And so for me, just. Living Nigeria might not necessarily solve That makes a lot of sense. So talking about this, you know, difference between Nigeria and being abroad, coming back, we talked, we spoke about this before we officially started recording, which is the videos that were, I don't want to say leaked, but shared. I think the whole thing started with Desmond Elliott, right? When he, I think on Monday or Tuesday, Monday, I think someone came out and said, Desmond Elliott is championing the social media bill, which Nigerian government has been pushing a social media bill. They want to regulate social media and making comparisons to to China of all places, saying, you know, in China, you can't get on Google, you can't get on Facebook, you can't get, you know, whatever. So they were making comparisons to China and Desmond Elliott came out and denied it. He was like, that never happened. That's not true. I didn't do anything like that. And the video came out today. And of course, it's true. He did agree with them. Yeah. Youths are, you know, doing whatever on social media. You we know, need to them, regulate. I mean, all of them, all of, so it feels like they are fueling that agenda. It yeah. feels like something that they would actively want to do. Because all of them, I mean, virtually all of them, had this. they didn't even talk about the massacre. They, all, all that they were focused about was social media view, trying to regulate social media, how the social media has been part of what really caused the fallout of these protests and the hoodlums and all of those things. So they've been building and saying a lot of things around social media, being negative about social media. So Which is that's a- something that that's something that could lead to another it could lead to another will I say uprising. Yeah. If if they really follow through on it, it's going to be something that I mean it's going to be something that would make people so I noticed, you know, we saw clips of different people and I think Desmond Elliott really trended because people know he, who he is, right? He's supposed to be a celebrity and an actor. We don't really know the other people. Maybe that's why they didn't get as much heat. But there was a woman there who yeah. spoke and said, you know, I went to school in London or whatever. Um, there are unemployed people everywhere. Even in the US, there are unemployed people. It doesn't make them go out on the streets and become hoodlums and blah, blah, blah. So why do Nigerian youths have an excuse? Why can't they start a business? So what if you're a graduate and you don't get a job? Why can't you start tiling or be a designer? And I found that so alarming because I'm like, this diaspora, oh, sorry, these countries abroad or Western countries that you're comparing to Nigeria. Yes, of course, there are people there who are unemployed. But the government provides for them housing, feeding, health care, literally everything that they need when they're jobless, the government provides. They have food pantries, they have homeless shelters. Nigerian government doesn't do anything. So you go to school, you suffer through strike and everything else and no jobs. And she's saying 
instead of the government providing jobs, why can't the youth just come up with jobs by themselves? So with that kind of mindset, it makes you wonder why. And this the woman looks young. To be honest, she looks like she's in her 40s, right? So it makes you wonder if we're clamoring for young people to be in office. Desmond Elias is 46. So he's not a child, but he's not a baba or whatever. He's not an old person. If those people who are in their 40s, who are supposed to have enough sense to rule or to be on our side are not, then does this whole let the youths lead actually mean anything? How do we know the youths are not going to go there and do the same thing, like not be blinded by money? So for me, I, I, I really don't want to think it's just about... I don't think it's, 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 it's a mix of experience and youth. So the thing is, the youths a bit have been marginalized in, in politics. But then there are still quite a lot of millennials that, that, are, that are, are eating into the system. And so the system corrupts a lot. You see a lot of young people as well still having the same mindset as most of these older ones. So for, for me, it's really, I don't think that's really going to solve a lot. Yeah, we can participate more in, in politics, but then it's still, it's still, it's, the rot has eaten so much into the system. It will take a lot, a lot of, it will take years to really try to evade all of, all of that. So I don't really think it's about just, we just need a mix. I mean, I've heard some older people too say spit out facts about mm. this old thing. So it's a mix of it's a mix of everything. I don't think generally that the youth would solve the problem. Fair enough. I love what you said because once again anything government, anything governance, it's it's experience. So I know people were saying, oh files for president. I mean he's done, you know, I guess a good job speaking up, but does he have the experience to become president? I don't believe so. I don't think so. So I'm happy that at least some youth or some young people are realizing we can't throw away all the old people as much as we would like to. We need them. We need their experience. But we have to find a way to sort out the good ones and then add a mix of, you know, middle-aged people and then younger people and so on and so forth. So I guess my last question for you would be, or not really question, but... When everything happened and people lost hope, I just started seeing people. So, sorry, maybe not last question, second to last. I started seeing people talk about, you know, move to Canada, move to Canada. I don't know if it was a joke, you know, or... It wasn't a joke. <laughs> you said it wasn't a joke. I've still, I've, I've, I still had a conversation with someone today that was in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he kept begging me that, um, try to find your way to Canada. Nigeria isn't worth it and all. He explained a lot of things to me. He told me about the mortgage and all. How easy it is for a commoner to get an apartment, to get a car. So it, it just, for me, I still never really think that. Yeah, that can be an option, but that doesn't solve the root problem. Yep. I've stayed in Nigeria. I've lived in Nigeria all my life. So for me, Nigeria, whether or not I live in Nigeria, you be somewhere I would want to it will still be somewhere I would want to come to. So for me, I mean, in a way, I want to really consider it, but then it still doesn't solve the problem. I mean I'm looking I'm looking, I'm not even running, I'm looking for someone can marry me and I love your honesty. I love your honesty. Because I saw a lot of memes, people saying, hey, those in diaspora, you know, you've done your best. You've tweeted about NSAS. Now it's time to marry those of us in Nigeria so we can leave, you know, all of that. But um, that was funny. I'm so, not really Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing I was going to ask you, another thing I saw trending after the, the massacre was people saying, 2023, get your PVC, you know, make sure you vote. Remember who was on our side. Do you believe that there will be free and fair elections no. in 2023? No. no. <laughs> I, I think no. I've spoken about this a lot. I've spoken about this a lot as well. So I, I don't believe there can be some form of um, unsolving of the APC or the PDP. Yeah. I still feel like I've seen a lot from, from this few weeks that has shown me that if these people are going to go this far just because we are saying we don't want to kill. I mean, they will do a lot more to hold on to power. Yep. So I still don't think that, I still don't think that, I mean, we can say, oh, we want to 
Yeah, I, I in fact I at some point I really don't think that our approach will come. But then I think that shouldn't still discourage from getting the PVC. I, I will get my own. I've never really voted because I really didn't trust the process. But now I mean I feel like everyone needs at least exercise that right. Yeah. It's not left to them to because for them to do what they did at the Lekki Massacre, I mean, I feel like these people can waste people's lives during election. Yep. It could get really bloody. Yep. So for me, I still don't think, thank God this isn't, this is very second time, so it's not like we are fighting to keep him again. Yeah. So I still don't think that there can be enough thought from now till then to really change. I don't think, I don't think, I mean, it's, it's way beyond that. Politics is deeper than that. You need a lot of money and all of that, really. And so the people with the money are the ones that are in there now. So a lot of them will still get in. Another thing that we always seem to forget is that there are a lot of people who would vote for these people that are outside of Twitter. So we only see we only see our own social media space. Yeah, we have a lot of population here, but the people that they would really run to are the people on the street, they are, they are the common people. Yeah. We only make so that's the thing with Twitter. We make so much noise, but then the people that don't use Twitter, the people that watch mainstream media, mainstream media is they just reports what they want to see. Hmm. Most of those people would still vote them in any way. So we need to do a lot of work with even sensitizing, educating those people on the street as well. It's way be social media mobilization you drop so many gems right because since we established for example now the lekki massacre a lot of people who were there were grassroots people uh, personally when i thought about the protests and everything happening i realized you mentioned a keyword earlier you said because of classism which is true in nigeria we separate people based on how much they have and reputation and you know money all of that wealth material things you felt like yeah, it would be so, safe. And that, that's, that's a lot of issue that I have. So that's, that's one of the things that makes me wrong mad as well. I feel like everyone is really just selfish and we generally feel, apart from even just our politicians, we generally feel that some lives matter more than others. Yep. So it's just crazy. Something I don't understand. Yeah. I don't build my own life like that. I think everybody the same way. So we have so many issues if we really want to you know get into that we have so many issues at the roots of you know i gave this example i think on my podcast two weeks ago i said you ha- for example i have a meeting with you say you have a business or an office I have a meeting with you i come to your office you know security man starts making a big deal you have to settle me you have to settle me but that's his job right so instead of doing his job he wants someone to wants me to bribe him to let me into your office even though i have a meeting with you if it's, you know, someone who works somewhere, maybe you have someone who drives you, you give them 5000 to buy fuel, they only buy 3000 they pocket 2000 So even in regular daily life, people are not... That's, only just corrupt, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Every, a lot of people are corrupt. Yes. Yeah. So that's another thing where as much as we want to protest, we want to ask for better opportunities, that corruption is already in the system. There has to be a way for us to reorient ourselves, to just be honest be straightforward same thing you go somewhere people look at the car you're driving and depends on the car you're driving that's how they'll talk to you so if they feel you have money they'll talk to you with respect if they feel you don't have money they will just rubbish you you know so all these things start like you said individuals day to day of course it's those same people who now get into office we can't expect them to do anything different then of course when money enters they're going to you know run mad or go wild or whatever but to I was trying to make a point before, sorry, where we know that a lot of people at the Lekki Massacre were grassroots people. For some of them, they were coming for the food, which is fair, right? That's They were getting free food. Why not? They were coming for the vibes. Once again, why not? Yeah. But did anybody really explain to them, this is what we're doing. This is why. This is why yes. it's important. Yes. So, so for Lekki, I can speak for Lekki. I mean, there was a lot of sensitization too. So from just that day that I went, I could see already, I could, I saw a lot of street boys, but then I could already tell that these ones are already educated. Mm. I'll give you an instance. I'll give you something that happened that day. So someone misplaced, someone misplaced this one. 
And within, they announced it on the stage. Within within a minute, he got his phone back. Wow. So these are people that would normally just steal and go away. And, but then they had, they could already connect with the fact that people, oh, these people provide food for us. So they really knew. So it wasn't just like people, like there was a stage, there was mic, people kept coming out. So they really knew what the whole movement was. And so that's why I feel that's that's one of the issues I feel like we lost. We could have just streamlined the locations to just Lekki and Alausa, just two locations. Mm-hmm. It would have been very difficult to for Udlums to infiltrate. So most of the other places that were not Lekki and Alausa were infiltrated by Udlums because there wasn't really that kind of setting. They didn't mm-hmm. really know what they were fighting for. They really just thought it was something else. For Lekki, I could say for Lekki, everyone knew why they were there. So I would say, I mean, we already agreed that for feminist school, if their lives are in danger, and I'm sure they felt a sense of responsibility, right? Because they gingered everyone to come out and then people die. So, of course, that guilt and maybe some fear and shock, right? Nobody expected the government would go that far or whoever, army, legal states will go that far. But instead of giving up, what if they now change the mantra? We don't have to have huge protests, but we can have, like you call the sensitizations. Even if it's every weekend, people volunteer, you come out, maybe Saturday, a group of people pick different areas and you just actually go into, knock on people's doors, meet people on the streets and tell them, hey, these are the things we're fighting for. These are the things we want or we need. We need everyone's support. Why can't we do something like that? Yeah, I, I- I think I think there's already work on that already. I think I could see already because I saw I saw some flyers being shared. I saw people going to grassroots and the streets and houses. I, I think work has really been done on that already for me. But the part I feel that the part I feel that should have been maintained, I still feel like they should maintain the framework of most of the things that made the protest successful, like the legal framework. The health framework, mm-hmm. then the feeding as well. The feeding for me is like the most important part. I mean, I still feel like people need to still like people are hungry. Yeah. They need to eat. You can't really judge. You can't. Food should be basic. Mm. Like you can't. You can't. I don't think people need to earn the right to eat because yeah. it's their body anyway. Your body needs to eat. Your body doesn't want to know whether there is food or not. You need to eat their life. So I feel like that part, so that's why I was a bit angry when they said they had stopped the that I really felt like it was something they could continue. And, I, and so from most of the videos today, some of the reps were saying stuff like, um, he said something around this line that because they were feeding misfans that would normally not have like a three square meal, those ones were, were ginger too continue the protest. And I felt like these people have a mindset that they're actually people that don't need to eat. Yeah. Like they, they thrive with they thrive on the fact that people need them for basic things. Hmm. So I, I would really want us to like keep all of those frameworks, the feeding and the health bit and I mean the legal bit, there are still so many people that are wrongly in prison True. that we can help. I mean, there's no civil disobedience in doing all of these things. We are just trying to help yeah. ourselves. I know they have a problem with us doing it, but then we can't keep waiting for them. We are we are a generation of they say they say they call us the Sudi generation, the yeah. generation. <laughs> I mean, we can't keep waiting for them. Very true. I mean, you've made great points, and I know I've had conversations with people, you know, one on one or in groups, and I do believe that, especially the feeding one, right? I'm hoping those ones can continue. It might not be every day, but even if it's a few times a week, people can, you know. And I think also cooked food, a lot of times when I was seeing those palliatives and such, I was seeing, you know, rice, I was seeing indomie. Those are great things, but some people don't even have a home. So where are they going to cook all those things they're giving them? People need actual cooked food, like already cooked food that they can just eat. (laughs) So I'm hoping that, I know a lot of people, feminist co, food coven, people that were really involved, they kind of just took a step back to reevaluate. But I really do believe their plan is to come back and see what, what 
they can keep doing for people, right? We're not going to just disappear and come back in 2023. So I hope they keep food, they keep legal, they keep medical. For me, it was very exciting and heartwarming to see how they turned the Lekki protest into like a small village. Like everything was running. They had chargers for people. They had portable toilets. They had tents. They had food. I mean, things that the government couldn't do. They had a helpline. I was so impressed and so amazed and so wowed. So I don't believe they will just stop all those things. I think they just are taking time to, I don't know what it's grieve or maybe reassess. And they will come back, hopefully. And if they don't, other people can pick up from where they started. At least we've seen that it's doable. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you. Because I just, someone, you know how people have been forwarding stuff. Someone had forwarded me your live. And when I listened to it, I was like, wow, he was actually there. And this is what happened. On the off chance, I'm like, I, I, can see, I could see you were trying to hide your identity. So I really appreciate you being open and sharing. And like I said, apart from the experience of you being there you've said so many other things that make so much sense and i hope people keep having these conversations i hope the protests don't die even if it's online i hope we take active steps like things we can physically do you know giving food giving medical health sensitizing people also another thing i think is important the world doesn't start and end in lagos yes lagos is the commercial center but we have so many other states Back to your question about the youth party and all of that. I mean, for me, I feel like we forget that there are so many other states. Yeah. I mean, so, so something that really kind of shocked me was that a lot of other states even bought into the idea of the protest. Mm-hmm. So, but then the thing is, yeah, there are some weaker states. So now we are having like panels, and you know, they set up a panel of like for hearings of people that are victims of stars. Oh, yes, yes. But there are weaker states where you cannot really, with Lagos, you can, you can question the web, but there are some weaker states that can easily be, be swayed with money. Mm. So it's not uniform that way. Mm. Very so even when you have the right intention, it's still very difficult to track I was saying, to be honest, that's why I think that going from door to door, the whole grassroots thing is the only way we can be uniform, right? I saw some flyers that said Sorosuke and, you know, people had, was what translated stuff into Yoruba, right? Which makes sense because once again, not everybody speaks English. So the grammar you're speaking, people don't understand. Not everybody's on Twitter, you know. So every single state, I think young people across the board, even if it means going back to your village, like take a trip one week, two weeks. I think we need to really focus on meeting people at home, going to people's homes. Of course, something that they do, for example, in America, when any organization or group wants to go into a community, they find a need and they meet that need. So they might build a community center. It might be free food. It might be they bring clothes, you know, donations. They might say they are doing after school lessons, you know, something that will kind of make people know you're on their side. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can explain to them, hey, you know what? The government is supposed to be doing this, but they are not. I feel like if we do that between now and 2023, like you said, everything won't change overnight, but we will get far. The more we have, quote unquote, people that these grassroots people understanding and knowing we are all one, we're all fighting for the same thing, we stand a better chance. If we don't do it, guess what? 2023, APC and PDP, what they do best, they will start sharing oil, bag of rice, and maybe 5,000 naira. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So... I think the more we understand what they have already understood a long time ago, people think with their stomachs. If you haven't eaten, you don't have time to be philosophical or political. or exactly. You just want to eat, exactly. which is your right. And that's another reason they keep people in poverty, like you said, so you can rely on them for everything. They can drive past and throw. You know, you see some of these people, they are driving past and they throw maybe a bundle of money and people are scrambling and, you know, mm-hmm. grabbing the money and hailing them. And some of those things, you just wonder. This is their money. This is money for everybody. This is government's money. Why should one person exactly. control it and then use it to, yeah, oppress other people? So, I mean, that one is conversation for another day. I don't know if you want people to be able to reach you on social media. If you do, I can tag you or post your handles like on Twitter or Instagram. If you don't, I mean, that's fine as well. So, I mean, different, really. Okay. Do you have any parting words? Do you have anything you want people, you know, any message you want people to have or know or, you know? I think it's most of all I've said, really. I feel like we need to 
actively we need to actively be involved in all of these things and yeah some people can think that they are they might not be affected so i feel like most of the people that think that we are people that have their future sorted mm. but then the thing is this thing will go round so even when they it could get to a point where your money might not be able to get you food so you need to take it like it affects you it, i know some people i mean i i think that that's what that some people generally feel that they are kind of like in a better place in a higher place and all of these things will not affect them but if not for you for your kids hmm. you need to like we all need to really just fight for a better nigeria you're very true not for so very that's, that's true. really my my parting word really Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really pray that the deaths at the Lokito Gate massacre will not be in vain. I pray that God comforts the families of everyone who lost like a child, a brother, a sister, a friend. I pray that the truth comes out. The government is finally able to admit what they did to produce those bodies. Let people know their family members died. Let people be able to mourn them or bury them. And if there's nobody to claim their bodies, then we as people, we as youth, be able to recognize people who died fighting for our cause. I really do hope and pray that the movement doesn't end just because of the cowardice and the wickedness of the government. If anything, we've seen in the last week plus what they're capable of, and that should help us retrace our steps, re-strategize, and know how to come back bigger and better. If you are not already following us on social media, please do so. Usually post like announcements there, links, other information that's important. Advance and motivation, B-A-N-T-S-A-N-D-M-O-T-I-V-A-T-I-O-N. Please share the podcast with at least five people who have not listened to it before, people who would like to hear from someone who was at the Lekki Massacre. We have 15 other episodes that are all amazing. You can catch up, you can binge. We really would like to grow the BAM Nation. Remember, guys, as always, as you go into the rest of the week, be kind, be safe, be aware, show people love, respect people, regardless of their tribe, regardless of their religion, regardless of their financial status. Until I come your way again next week. Bye.